What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Happy Independence Day, and welcome to a special Beyond the Box Score edition of Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings, joined by Jacob Gibbs of Sportsline, and a special guest, Dwayne McFarland from Fantasy Life. Dwayne, what's going on over at Fantasy Life? What have you been working on lately? Oh, man. You know, it's that time of year where we're digging deep into everything. What are, what are we not looking at? You know, we don't have training camp yet. So it's like, what what can I look at and like overanalyze? Uh, but no, we have a lot of cool stuff going on. So I actually have just posted four different pieces over the last couple of weeks. That's really, you know, around best ball, like best ball is all the craze now. So just really strategies for roster construction at uh, each position this year. But also uh, just did a big refresh on my top top 250 ranks and half PPR for best ball. So that's all up. And man, we have all sorts of behind the scenes projects going. Uh, we got big data stuff going on. Uh, a lot of things I can't necessarily like say it all yet because I got to make sure we got our timelines Ooh. right. But believe me, like it's a uh, I'm, I'm turning out the midnight oil over here uh, to try to get stuff ready for this season so people can have some fun at Fantasy Life. It, it is a really fun time of the year because we're going to start chasing our tails when we get to July and it'll be the the news that we have to decide if we care about or if we don't care about. And then we get into the season. It's like, OK, Monday, I do this every week and Tuesday, I do this every week. And we've got a little bit of room to breathe right now and kind of go over some stuff, maybe dig a little bit deeper. As you said, Gibbs, it is good to have you here. We've been working on this for a while. This show kind of your baby today. So I want I want to start off just with you. Like you know, people hear yards per route run and they, they, they know yards per reception, yards per target. Why do I need to focus on this particular metric? And why is it maybe the best for wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at correlation to fantasy scoring, it's going to be at the top of the list. Um, it's it's, it's a, a topic that needs um, that has some nuance and needs some context. Um, for more on that, we did a Beyond the Box Score episode with Matt Freeman and Pat Fitzmaurice, where we um, 
contextualize yard per route run data. So for instance, two receivers versus three receivers on the field, that type of stuff is going to affect it. And we're going to go into detail on that a little bit here. Um, but yeah, this the per route data is one of the one of the most prevalent stats that I use. And I just from following Dwayne, know that's the case for him as well. So yes, I've been super excited for the FFT Dynasty crossover episode and to have Dwayne on particularly like this is just a treat for me. I'm so psyched. Dwayne, we, we usually try to start off with uh, with three questions for the guests. And we're gonna we're gonna the first two questions go into one. Who your favorite two dynasty buys based on per route data? Yeah, so I, d I definitely have a couple. There are a lot that I could go yeah. into, but uh, you guys have a really good list going. But two I didn't see on the list, so I'm definitely gonna throw these out there. Uh, it's not time to give up on, Tenny, on Antonio Gibson. So, like, um, when we talk about a player like him, you look at his targets per route run, 24%. But really, he's never been fully enabled to be the receiving back because we've always had J.D. McKissick, right? So it's been one of those weird situations where we all know this. We're like, the guy played receiver in college. When he's on the field, he demands targets not quite at a Christian, at a Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara level or Austin Eckler, just a hair below those guys, but still at a level like that we get really excited about. And then it's like, well, you know, we've got J.D. McKissick. And then we got another running back, so there's going to be like three guys. And we've just never really been able to get everything turning, right, for Antonio Gibson. And he hasn't been able to be in that role that, you know, he's really designed for. Well, now with McKissick gone, I think that totally opens the door for him. Um, and we saw his route participation last year surge to 57% once we saw McKissick out of the lineup with the neck injury. So now you're looking at Brian Robinson. Uh, yeah, they drafted you know a guy this year that's really more in the vein of Brian Robinson. So I feel like he's really the only guy, unless Curtis Samuel's going to steal a few snaps at running back. He's the guy that's going to be out there on passing downs, finally won't be having to share that role. And this is really his opportunity to shine. And I, I would say this, like, I know people are burned by Gibson because we've been talking about this. Like we've been Antonio Gibson, you got to get him. You got and people are like, come on, dude, like, like this is falling on deaf ears at this point. But no, finally, for real, like this could be the time. And if we look back historically, the first thing like people will be at, well, man, there's no way he's going to get 50% of the rushing attempts. And you're right. But let me just give you a list of guys that have been in a similar range of, range of targets per route run. But if they can get to that 60, 65% route participation, which is where Gibson should be, they didn't need to get to 50%. And I'm going to give them to you. And this is not me just filtering saying I want to handpick. This is literally me filtering, filtering to guys that were at 40% or less of rushing attempts and they got to a target rate of 25% or better and got over the 60% route participation. Here they are. Are you ready? Alvin yes. Kamara in 2020, RB1. Austin Eckler, 2019, RB4. Kenyon Drake, 2018, RB14. Deion Lewis, 2018, RB27. We'll take it, though. Christian McCaffrey, 2017, rookie season, RB9. Remember, you still had Jonathan Stewart taking most of the rushing carries there. And then here's a fun one. Here's a real fun one. You guys remember Danny Woodhead in 2015. Right. RB3, baby. So <laughs> there is a path. Not saying he's right. going to be a top 10 RB, but there's a real chance that you've got a top 24 running back. Um, and we also see that these guys catch passes. Dynasty lens here. Like they can play longer. Like Because even if you may lose some of your explosiveness, things like that, if you're padding your stats with the receptions is something I really like to buy into. And people are just, you know, they're kind of out on Gibson. Right now in best ball, he's going round nine, round 10. Um, so, I mean, I don't know exactly what his dynasty startup is or what his dynasty stock is, but I, it's it, typically the things are still pretty close. So I think Gibson's a buy. Yeah, I think down is the answer is what his dynasty <laughs> stock is yeah. <laughs> from where it's been. I think that it's a lot of it is that feeling. And I, I talk about this a lot. Like 
he burned me last year is not a valid excuse for not drafting a player or rostering a player this year. It's I, I understand why people do it, but like we know enough about this game that these things don't remain stable. I do, and I'm going to go to Gibbs on Gibson because I know he's uh, he's been hurt by him in the past. He's he is one <laughs> of those emotionally scarred um, former managers. But I, when it comes to running back, and one of the things that, I, as far as I understand, like one of the major benefits of of yards per route run over yards per target is it shows how good the player is at earning targets. Yes, that. Is that as true for running backs as it is for wide receivers, or are running back targets more scheme, quarterback, coordinator dependent? The answer is it depends. So there are a couple things that are really good indicators for you. If you can find running backs that have a positive A dot, they seem to be more sticky year over year as far as holding on to a large target share. Because what will happen to some backs that you'll see, like Najee Harris is a really good example, right? As a rookie, had that nice season um, as far as his targets. You had Ben Roethlisberger checking the ball down. But they had some injuries and different things going on in the receiving court. There can be certain drivers. So if you've got a you, – you saw this with A.J. Dillon some last year. You're like, dude, like, how's A.J. Dillon like getting – targets whenever we get and we get Aaron Jones in the game sometimes and he's not and what it comes back to is if a quarterback doesn't have multiple other weapons like to throw the ball down the field to quarterbacks really do want to throw downfield Mm -hmm. but if they only have one primary option then you're more quickly moving to that dump off option whereas when you have positive a dot guys they're really more built into the structure of a play right where they have a better chance to be the first read so maybe the running backs running an angle route underneath, and then you have a tight end running the seam route. The quarterback's reading high to low, but now the running back is the first or second read based on where the safety starts. Whereas if you're the swing pass guy, you're the thir- you're the third or fourth read, or you might be the hot against a blitz. And then you got to factor in well, what if the what if the quarterback just wants to take off? Which, by the way, I think is the biggest um, potential issue for Gibson in the short right. term this year would be if Sam Howell starts and all of a sudden he's r- rushing and scrambling all the time, right? That that could hurt Antonio Gibson. So it really does depend. But what I found is you're going to get a more sticky running back you can really count on more often, like a Camara, a CMC, Eckler. They're typically positive dot guys. The others can more come and go. It just depends on the, on the rest of the weapons and if the quarterback feels the need to more highly integrate the running back in because they're just not open. The other guys just aren't open. Okay, Gibbs. Are you going to buy back into Gibson? And I, I will say, I think one of the things that I've seen from this offseason that I like is talk about Eric Bieniemy's offense. And there's a little bit of mystery. Like, I think people have gone too far in saying it won't look anything like what the Chiefs did because he didn't have anything to do with what the Chiefs did. I don't believe that's true. I think he was a big part of that. And I think that he'll probably have success in Washington. But that one of the reports we've gotten is there's a lot of screens, a lot, both to wide receivers and to running backs. That'd be awesome for Gibson, right? Yeah, I'm definitely buying in. I think Dwayne laid it out really well. Um, that was really interesting thinking about the running back position through the lens of average depth of target. I've never thought about that. Um, with Gibson, my concern is his rushing efficiency was like way, way down last year, and that's happened in back-to-back years. Um, he was also less efficient in terms of creating yards after the catch. Um, I, I don't know, man. I have such a hard time with it because, like, yeah, I have an emotional <laughs> attachment to him, and then seeing, like, those stats all come down as well, like, I, it's easier to just be like, nah. Um, but everyone's doing that. And so like right. to get him at his price, I think is definitely. I, a, I a think like the nice thing with him is that you're buying really low. Yeah. Like it's not going to cost you a whole lot in terms of opportunity cost to go take a chance on him. I, a guy who I'm struggling with a little bit right now in Dynasty and in redraft is Ramondre Stevenson. 
because you look at yards per route run last year, and he was one of the most efficient backs, I think, in football. You look at yards per target, and he was one of the least efficient. And the main difference was, I think he was third or fourth in the NFL on screens. Now you've got a new offensive coordinator, and we get a whole offseason of them talking about wanting to use somebody else in the passing game. Does Stevenson's profile look like somebody that's going to hold on to his target share, Dwayne? I think he's more questionable, but yeah. to be at a 26% targets per route run, it's really hard to do that and be and it be a fluke. Now, he's not a positive A dot guy. He is more of a swing pass, a check down. And th- think about this. The Patriots don't have anyone else. Like they don't have really good. I mean, it is what it is. They don't have really good receivers. They had Jacoby Myers last year, right? You have Hunter Henry, some guys they've, you know, Hunter Henry they invested in, you know, but it didn't really turn out. John O. Smith didn't work out. Devontae Parker, you know, got his new contract, but they just don't have the weapons. So you will see teams that do that, throw the ball more to the backs and and create those screen plays. But I, I think he's still probably a plus receiver, not as high end as what some people might think. Like that 26% is probably a tad misleading, but I think his baseline is still probably a 20, 22% targets per route run kind of guy. He's he's really he's got he's got good hands, very natural catcher like of the football and stuff, but not like this great mismatch player against linebackers and safeties that you know can just really create all this separation and zone. He's he's more of a check down guy. So we did answer one of the questions, one of your favorite buys, and we got into the running back question like I wanted to. Who's your uh, who's your second favorite buy based on per route data? Uh, mine's Christian Watson, and his yeah. is even larger than that. But, you know, targets per route run, um, I know Jacob's going to do a, uh, a breakdown later of really the use cases for targets per route run. And I think it's really important because it is funny. You'll say something about targets per route run on Twitter and somebody like, oh man, you know, yards per route run correlates more to fantasy points. And that's true, but duh, because it's got yards in it. Yards, (laughs) right, are part of scoring fantasy points. What we're looking for are certain signals that some kind of data is giving us. And targets per route run, back to your first question, which was about running backs, I really love it for running backs because some backs have to stay in and block more, right? Some backs actually get to run more pass routes. Some running backs, you know, we don't get to see them on the field because they have a third down back. So targets per route run tells us so much more about that running back than target share because they were hamstrung by playing time. And so when you look at a guy like Watson, you know, speaking of hamstrings, like you've got injuries that keep him on or off the field throughout the season. You know, you've got rookies, early on that may not get as much playing time. And so an easy way to just kind of cut through all of that, and I don't got to worry about which games he was in, which games, you know, he was out, all that kind of stuff. Like, as I can quickly look, it targets per route run. And so most people, when you talk about Christian Watson, almost always they will come back and say, yeah, man, 15% target share. And I'm like, yeah, bro, 24% targets per route run. 23% target share in the games. Yes, I will go break it down if I have to. 23% target share in the games where he was fully healthy and did not leave due to concussions and things like that. So once he got into a full-time role, he showed that he could be the top guy in the offense. And yes, I get it. He can't score a touchdown on 2.6% of his routes. It's not possible, right? You just can't do it. It's an outlier season, but he has the ability to still be a good touchdown scorer, right? right? I mean, we have a guy that can beat you over the top. We have a guy that can catch a slant and erase angles. We have a guy that can take an end around and score touchdowns. So we like guys that can score from anywhere. So when you piece those two things together and you think about Watson's potential, like I, I absolutely love him. He's got the second round capital. I, I think the biggest thing holding people off is the age and he comes from a small school. But this is kind of normal. We see these small school guys come out and they're older. Is anybody afraid of Cooper Cup now? 
Right. He was old when he came out and he came from a small school. So not saying Watson's going to be Cooper Cup. Like that's a super extreme example. But I think people are holding on a little too tightly to their pre-draft, uh, you know, thoughts around Christian Watson versus his draft capital and what we saw him do in year one. So, Jacob, we we see a lot of times when it's these these yards per route run lists, the guys who are going to explode next year, it's the rookies. It's the guys who either didn't really start playing full-time until midway through the year, which I think was the ARSB case going into his year two. I know you had a couple of rookies or, or second-year guys on your list in terms of buys, Drake London and Chris Olave. Is Watson in that group with those guys? I have a tough time classifying him as a buy for dynasty because i think people are really really getting hyped on him and pushing him up the board a lot and to the point where the question marks that still exist around his data um is a real concern like i love all the parade stuff that we can spout off about watson but at the end of the day he ran fewer than 300 routes um and this brings up an important question that i would pose to Dwayne: like is there a qualifier is there a route run total where you find stickiness for me it's been typically around three or 350 routes um, but like in a season is there a qualifier that you go to 250 but targets 250. per route run stabilizes before yards per route run yards mm-hmm. per route run does take longer um and it's because of variance right you get big plays that can really make it look better than it is but a player's ability to earn targets is something that stabilizes a lot quicker uh, i say a lot it's it's slightly quicker um yeah. so typically by like six games you have a really good feel for targets per route run it might take you closer to eight depending on the team you know or the player um especially if they're in a limited role right for yards per route run um, so yeah, and, and I don't know, honestly, I'll be honest, like I've been so focused on redraft and best ball. Like, so yeah. I love Christian Watson's profile, but I will say, I, I would agree on the same, the caveats I would give around him. It is definitely around small sample size. Yeah. However, I think what kind of offsets that is when you get a player that shows they can earn targets, but also do a lot with them. And then mm-hmm. it matches like what their profile is right which is this dude's super fast (laughs) and it's actually working like on a football field so um like i i I don't know where he's priced at right now like what wide receiver he is in dynasty um but if if it is something where he's getting steamed i i do agree that like you have to take the caveat that the sample size is small i'm pretty sure i think it's between 15 and wide receiver 15 wide receiver 20 most places i would buy there Yeah, yeah i would be buying him there yeah I feel like I see him go inside the top 15. I, I love everything about Watson that we saw. Like this, the small sample size caveat is all there really is to say, because outside of that, like everything is excellent. What's particularly exciting is his ability to draw targets at such a high rate while running such deep routes. Uh, so over the past five seasons, um, only Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Chris Olave, and Watson have a target per run rate of 25% or higher with an average depth of target of 14 plus yards. And that is, that's the type of upside that we're looking at for him. If he can draw targets at such a high rate while running such downfield routes, like that's really, really exciting. And we've seen him also dominate man coverage, which is another really good signal um, for a young receiver and the type of receiver that he is as a field stretching perimeter threat. So everything that we saw was excellent for Watson. And I definitely like him. I just, if we're going to get to London, we're going to get to Garrett Wilson and Chris Alave, like those guys, their parat data is like off the page elite comes in a legitimate sample size and like, I, I don't have any question marks about them compared to Watson. More, more of a, a bulletproof type floor than it is yeah. necessarily a higher ceiling, I think. Uh, we're going to talk that. I think we kind of just hit on one of the use cases, but Jacob's going to break down the, uh, the rest of them right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, Jacob, you kind of have with three use cases for per route data. Like, Mm -hmm. how is this going to help us identify future fantasy success, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been super excited to have Dwayne on for this very reason, um, because I think people, for some reason, like I have an aversion to per route data, I think maybe just because it's new. Um, but there are some instances where it's really, really important. And so I brought up three. Um, feel free to add anything to this, Dwayne. The first one is players whose route totals were suppressed by injury. And so a couple um, recent use cases, Devonta Adams of 2019 only had 997 yards, five touchdowns in 12 games. And so he was able to be had at the end of round one, even the round one, two turn. And then he just absolutely went nuts the next year. And we saw in that season where he only played 12 games, he drew target on 30% of his routes, which was by far the highest of his career and followed an upward trajectory that he had been on. And then the next years, he elevated that even further and just lit fantasy on fire. Um, Another guy is 2020 Debo Samuel. So his target per hour rate rose from 21% to 26% in 2020, but he only played seven games. He then goes on for 1,400 yards the next year. Um, so those are the two from an injury standpoint that like clearly stand out. And it's just, you can find players like this um, through this lens where people don't understand like truly what the potential is if their per route data is actually extrapolated over a larger sample size. Um, and I'm curious if you guys have any players that come to mind um, as 2023 examples. Well, I would, I would just echo what you said. I think those are the right use cases. If you've got a full sample of data for a player, obviously we would rather just use target share, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It still correlates more highly to fantasy points. Um, stickiness year over year, they're actually pretty close. So that is kind of a misnomer that's out there. Sometimes I'll hear people say like, oh, targets per route run aren't even actually sticky. I'm like, like no, they are. Like they're they're pretty sticky year over year. Not quite as close as target volume or as just actual targets, but they're really close. Um, but I think those are the great like examples, you know, that you just that you just laid out. I will say, I do love them for running backs and tight ends as well, not just wide receivers. And like tight ends, you guys know, like for example, let's look at Tyler Higby last year. Not saying this guy's a dynasty buyer or anything but had a 24% targets per route run. But you look at after week five, all the offensive line injuries that the Rams had, and you see suddenly his route participation dropped to 67%. Why? Because he had to block. He had to stay right. in and block. So it's a, that's another great use case. If you've got a tight end that just was only out there running a route 60% of the time, we, that's, that's a scenario that comes up a lot. Right. So then you suddenly find a guy that maybe or you had a guy like uh, Dallas Goddard that forever was stuck with Zach Ertz. Oh, I wonder what Dallas Goddard could be without like Zach Ertz. Hmm. Like, I think there's a pretty good stat like that we could look at for that. So I think those are really good use cases. And I already talked about the running backs earlier, you know, because they can get split up in their roles. But really good ways to when you don't have that full data set and you're trying to say, OK, based on what we have, 
what could we potentially do? And I actually use targets per route run in my projection model. I project the routes that are going to be run, the route participation, um, and that trickles down, you know, from the team offense, right? You know, how many plays I think they're going to run, how often they're going to pass, and then I assign route participation to each player, and then targets per route run. Those two things together give you their target share. I think I think that's an. I'm going to stay there for just a second. I know it's kind of off topic of where we were originally going with this show, but that that idea of projecting the number of plays a team or number of routes a team is going to have and dealing with a team like Tampa Bay this year. Because I think when you look at the Buccaneers through that lens and the the type of environment that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans' production has come from the past two years where they're throwing 750 passes per game and Tom Brady's the quarterback, I have a hard time thinking they're going to be above league average in terms of pass rate this year. I think if they have their, their way, they're playing in a bad division. They still Their defense is probably better than their offense. And they've got a defensive head coach, and they've probably got Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask throwing passes. <laughs> so, like, I, I get really concerned about a team that might throw it 150, 200 fewer times. How how much do you think about normalizing those run and pass rates? Like, for and I think on the opposite side would be a team like Atlanta that just threw the ball so little. And like, if you project them based on what they did last year, there's very few routes, not enough for London and Pitts probably. Yeah, I think it's a great question. So for Tampa Bay. Like the major challenge they're going to have is they're only favored, I believe, in three, maybe two, two games on the 18 game schedule per Superbook, right? So they're only projected to win six and a half games. So I do think that to some extent that will force them to pass because that means they're just going to be trailing all the time. But I also believe that everything else you just said will be true. I think you still have a defensive minded coach and he knows that he doesn't have Tom Brady. So even though he's going to be trailing and we saw this last year, it wasn't just the Falcons. We saw the Panthers do this last year. They were trailing a lot and they still decided, okay, that may be the case, but we don't think that passing the ball is necessarily the best thing to do still. Um, you know, and they had, they had some injuries. You had PJ Walker, you had Baker Mayfield in there. Oh wait, Baker Mayfield. We're back to the bucks. <laughs> um, you know, Kyle Trask, you just mentioned. So with the quarterback issues and all those things, I'm with you. Like I have their plays per game projected at 61 this year, still throwing, dropping back to pass 62%. Obviously that can turn into a scramble, a sack, other things. Um, and 38% of the time actually choosing to have a designed run. But, like if this was, you know, the Bucks last year, I would have that number at 70 with Brady, right. 70% pass play or or like 68, 67, somewhere in there. So definitely toning it down. And then for like the Falcons, just since you mentioned them, like I actually have them going up in pass rate. Right. Number one, because they were so outlier, crazy run heavy last year. It is so hard to do. And when you take the running quarterback like Marcus Mariota away, that is going to change the dynamic. Yeah, Desmond Ritter's willing to scramble, had an 8% scramble rate last year. That's definitely above the league average, which is usually around 5-6%. Um, but it's not like huge. It's not. It's, we're not talking Justin Fields, who scrambled 16% of the time. So I think on that alone, like you're going to, with, without Mariota being part of the design run game, you're going to naturally see more passing from Atlanta. They'll still be a run-heavy team. Right. But last year, they dropped back the pass 49% of the time. That That's like bananas. I have them at 54% this year, which is right in line with what Arthur Smith used to do with the Titans, right? And an offense that didn't necessarily have the run, when he didn't have Mariota, didn't have the running quarterback, and it was with uh, Tannehill. So I think we get slight you know, regression to the mean you know, in opposite directions like uh, for both teams. Right. And I, and I think I, even... Even if I don't have a reason 
with a team like the Falcons that's that that far off of what everyone else did, I'm still going to pull back a little bit. And I think we have a couple of reasons to think. I've got about 501 pass attempts, and it's like 80 more times than they threw the ball last year, but also I think fewer pass attempts than I have projected for any other team in 2023. So that's just kind of the way that it is. And that kind of goes to one of the things, Jacob, that was on your list, right? The way that scheme can kind of disguise uh, yards per route round superstar. Yeah, before I get to that, I do have to mention Kadarius Tony because it's a per route data episode <laughs> and we have to. Um, but yeah, he would be the guy I would bring up as the clear, like, this player's been injured, but his per route data indicates that he could be awesome. Like, I don't know if he's going to be Debo yeah. Samuel, but like from a per route perspective, he like has that potential. Um, only four players over the past years have a higher target per route run rate than Kadarius Tony. That's Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Terry Kill, Chris Olave. I, I'm not sure that you get to question the um, sample size of Christian Watson and then get bring us Kadarius Tony. Well, it's about the same, the two-year <laughs> sample size. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely a small sample size. And that that's what I'm saying, though, is like that's why we right. like this data, because it could be something. Um, for think, sure, yeah. I think Kadarius Tony and Elijah Moore, you could make the argument, have the widest range of outcomes. Yeah. Because like, yeah. uh, I've been kind of thinking through this, doing this thing I call the projection spectrum. I don't know what your thoughts are, Jacob, but like I think that's two that have like the widest range. Like I I did I put out a tweet last night on Elijah Moore. I'm like, okay, you've got, you know, this you got Deshaun Watson like he was last year, and Elijah Moore plays like he did last year. Basically, like he you can't even use Elijah Moore. But if you get rookie season Elijah Moore and you get vintage Deshaun Watson, like we could have a guy that's like a wide receiver too. Like you could literally, I mean, it's hard to find ranges, realistic ranges of outcomes for players that are that wide. And I think Kadarius Tony is actually another very similar one. And I think it all comes back to, he's going to get targets when he's out there. The question is if he gets more routes, will it scale? And then I think the other question is great. He, if, if he doesn't, you know, get more routes, like then what? Like, because I, I do worry last year. I mean, come on, like even when they really needed someone to step up and be on the field, even when he was healthy, it's like they never would really like I think his max, Jacob, like you probably have in front of you. I think his max route participation was like 30 percent one game. Right. You know, so that's my concern. Do they look at him more as like so I've got him projected in the middle 50 percent route participation, playing the Miko Hardman role. And that's my median. But to your point, Jacob, like the ceiling on it, like if he does go to like 85 percent and he does sustain his targets per route run. Uh, yeah, hello. Like it could be a wide receiver one. Yeah. And I, I don't even want to get started talking about Elijah Moore's target per hour and rates because I, <laughs> I spent so much time doing that after his rookie year. And yeah, look where we are. Um, yeah. So the next one would be players whose route totals were suppressed by role. And um, this actually brings up Elijah Moore as a good example from his rookie year, Sky Moore last year. Um, and then the, the examples, the use cases that we have from the past, Heath already mentioned, I'm, I'm on St. Brown. Limited role early on, but 33% target per route run rate from week 13 on in his rookie year, which is like something that you don't do unless you have the potential to be an absolutely elite fantasy wide receiver, wide receiver one. Um, Tyree Kill is actually the other one that I would bring up. So year two Tyree Kill was drafted as the wide receiver 23 in fantasy going into the year because he only ran 259 routes as a rookie. But his per route data as a rookie was nuts. 32% target per route run rate. 2.3 yards per route run. And so then even in year two, when his per route rates dropped off, his target per route rate was quite a bit lower over a larger sample size. He still finishes the wide receiver eight. And that was, I think, honestly, on the lower end of his potential ranges of outcomes. He didn't score a lot of touchdowns. And that just goes to show like when 
this is extrapolated over a larger sample size, it doesn't even have to stay at the absurd rates like we saw with Christian Watson or whatever. If it's just close to that and they do get the role, then these players can go nuts. And that's why we're so excited about somebody like Christian Watson. Another guy I'd bring up is uh, Chica Conquo from the Titans. His per route data last year is absolutely absurd. Um, and I'm really curious what you think about him, Dwayne. Yeah, I like Chig. He is an interesting player, though, because a lot of that came on screens and gimmicks, you know? Yeah. So how much of that do they keep installed? Also, like, do they see him really more as kind of, a, you know, an H-back that they're moving around versus a true F move around or inline tight end? I think that's our biggest question. If Chig gets to 75% route particip participation this season, um, I think it's... I mean, I think he's going to be a lock to, to be in the top 12 tight ends. And then it just becomes a matter of ceiling. Because to your point, even if they don't do as much of the gimmicky stuff for him, like he's still going to have a baseline that's better than most tight ends and his ability to earn targets. Yeah, it was a small sample. But for me, like once I get past like tight end nine or 10 this year, I'm kind of like, you know, just give me the guy that, you know, if I am right, all of his underlings actually line up with the best tight ends in the game. Yet, Yes, we acknowledge small sample, so it could go wrong, but I'd rather take a swing on that upside, especially at tight end, where, look, say it's a miss, I can go grab someone else. I, I can grab just uh, somebody to plug in off the waiver wire, you know, if I just need them, you know, or if I need to stream, but you're not going to find many profiles like Chig. Yeah, it's that whole can he go from being a 40, 50 percent player to being, like you said, a set, run 70 percent of the routes. I, I do think the way that uh, Jacob has the Antonio Gibson like withdrawal, I, I, I just see Jonu Smith whenever people say Chigo Conquo. And it's not fair because not the same kind of guy. But I think Albert O is the yeah, other one. That, 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 <laughs> yeah, the Albert O because you got the OK. And, and who knows? He might uh, do the same thing to Greg Dulcich this year. Um, I don't think we have any idea what's going to happen with the uh, with the Denver tight ends. Did you do you have one more uh, one more group here, Gibbs? Yeah, the last one is players whose route totals were suppressed by their offensive scheme. Um, and so AJ Brown is the clear example here. AJ Brown right. ranked second in targets per route run across the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one seasons, second out of all players. But he topped out with one thousand seventy five yards as his single season high during that time because his single season high in rats run was 406, which is really, really low for a player who was like mostly healthy. Um, so then he goes to Philadelphia, he runs 577 routes. So even with his target per round rate falling from 28 to 30% down to 25%, he still erupts for 1500 yards. And I, I think just on him specifically, I'm really excited to see what happens in year two, if he's able to elevate the target per run rate to something resembling what we have seen in Tennessee and the route total stays intact. Like it could be nuts. Um, we just had Ben Gretsch um, on beyond the box score with JJ Zacharyson to talk about RPOs and the effect that RPOs have on target distributions. And like Philadelphia was the clear use case where on an RPO, there's really only one read. It's a run where there's no target at all, or it's a throw to the guy who's like running this land. Um, and so because of this, the target distribution ends up being very concentrated. You should go read Ben's um, Substack if you haven't. It's phenomenal. Um, but like just because of that, the players like in Miami, in Philadelphia, in Atlanta are able to get these really absurd target shares. And I think it's possible we can see even more than what we saw last year from AJB. So like the, the yeah. clear guy here is Drake Lennon, right? 
Yes. Like if we're looking at 2023 examples, I think Drake London, Cal Pitts, you could bring up Chris Alave as well as a guy whose route total was a bit suppressed and we could see more passing in that offense and his per route data is absolutely nuts. Um, but yeah, we can go on and on and on about London and Pitts. There's so many cool stats. Um, I want to ask you, Dwayne, are you, do you use first down target data as at all? That's something that I look at first down targets have been worth about 20% more fantasy points than other targets. Um, there's fewer defensive backs on the field on first downs. And it also just signals the team's willingness to like go to a certain player. And Drake London's numbers really stand out in that regard. Is that something you look at? Um, I've looked at it. Like I just, and I'm not saying that it doesn't work. I just haven't found it to have like enough of a differentiating signal for me. Like I, I look at third and fourth down as well. Like when the quarterback absolutely needs yeah. it, who are they going to? Right. I also look at end zone targets. Um, and overall, what I've found is like the guys that really earn targets, like they're just earning targets all the time. For sure. <laughs> it's kind of like with this first read stuff. Like I always see, I see the first read stuff too. And I've had access to that with PFF and I like it. It's cool. But guess what? Like 70%, 68 to 70% of targets are first read period for everyone. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like, if you earn a lot of targets, you're going to get a lot of first read targets. Uh, so um, I think these things are really cool. Like the thing I love to look at honestly is like the percentage of targets that the of front for the player that come from play action. Yeah. Uh, because play action has proven to be worth about 20% more than a non play action target. And that's something that can happen, you know, really on any down and distance. You're not going to get it on like third and long when you know you're getting a blitz. Like you don't want to turn your back to the defense at that. They're not biting on the play action in that moment. But most of the other down and distances, it's available to you. And it just freezes the linebacker and safety enough that you let these, you know, playmakers get in behind or in between in between coverage in the zone where, you know, 70 percent of coverage in the NFL nowadays is zone coverage. Um, and it can be huge, especially for guys like A.J. Brown that are athletes. Uh, Traylon Burks could fall into that bucket this year. That's a that's that's how he could really see like a boom this year. We know it's going to be a run heavy offense, but can he hit it in efficiency? So, yeah, I, I like looking at all those things. Most of it still seems to tie back, though, to their ability to earn targets overall. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that kind of like works across all the buckets. Yeah, play action targets are cheat codes. And I think it's important to bring that up related to Drake London, who is going to fill the A.J. Brown role in Arthur Smith's offense. Um, the reason I brought up first down targets, I think it, the point you made up about drawing targets on third down is just as important. I think that's totally valid. To me, it shows that a team is willing to run an offense through a player. And if you look at the players who have high first down targets, it's Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, DJ Moore, CeeDee Lamb. It's those guys. Drake London had the second highest last year of any player, and that's really, really unusual for a rookie. And that's why I bring it up is because like he's coming in doing that as a 21-year-old, and they didn't have a lot of options. But still, that happens regularly with receive, rookie receivers where they come in an office that doesn't have options, and they don't draw targets at the rate that he did on first down. So 35%. First down target per round rate. The only other rookies that have done that, Calvin Johnson, AJ Green, Julio Jones, AJ Brown, Andre Johnson, Tyree Kill. So I, I really appreciate you, you know, putting DJ Moore in there with the Devontae Adams, <laughs> Tyree Kill, just for me. But I don't let I don't want you to think that I didn't see that DJ Moore was on the sell list. Um, we're gonna postpone that until about the 56 minute mark. So hopefully not as many people hear it. <laughs> Let's talk some dynasty buys here real quick. And and I think we talked about it before. Like the the guy, the second year wide receivers, particularly this class of second year wide receivers, everybody seems to be pretty excited about them. And we've already talked about Watson. You had Chris Olave and Drake London on your list, but I or, and I think you throw Garrett Wilson in there. Those guys all had 
good data. And so I, I, we'll start with you, Jacob, and then Dwayne, you can kind of talk about your favorite of the group or um, whatever Jacob misses, because I'll probably be something. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that there's going to be anything he misses. He's yeah. pretty thorough. <laughs> but, but also, I think all three of those guys, and you referenced it with Olave, like maybe this offense, there's more routes to be run now. Maybe they, maybe they throw it more. They were a really low-volume offense, and they had the quarterback change. Garrett Wilson's got what we hope is a monstrous change in the quality of his targets. Drake London, we think there's no way they can throw that little. So I, I guess both kind of who do you like best based on what they put in terms of the data, but also whose situation might be changing the most positively. Of the rookies? Yeah. Well, of those three particularly. I think Olave, yeah. Wilson, and London are kind of in a different class from the other guys. Yeah. Um, I think Wilson is the one who's going to see the most dramatic change, but that's already priced in. He's like the wide receiver three or four in Dynasty. Um, yeah. Chris, Chris Olave is the guy who I'm interested in. And Drake London, for all the reasons we just gave. Drake London is insane. If you just look at his right. target per round rate, his like, first year freed of Michael Pittman and Monterey St. Brown, he drew targets at the highest per round rate of anybody we've seen in the past five years. And then he comes in and immediately does it at the NFL level. He's nuts. Chris Olave is also, and his comes more from the yard per round run rate side of things, um, so wide receivers age 22 or younger over the past 10 seasons to average 2.4 yards per route run. We've got Chris Olave, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Odell Beckham, Josh Gordon, and Sammy Watkins. And young Sammy Watkins was insane. Yeah, um, he, he breaks a lot of these lists. A lot of these lists yeah. you see like, okay, um, Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, Sammy Watkins. <laughs> yeah, and Olave is like Watson where he's drawing such high target rates while running such deep routes. Um, and it's exciting. I, Derek Carr was really bad last year, but Derek Carr is very aggressive in pushing the ball downfield. Andy Dalton was the least aggressive quarterback in pushing the ball downfield against man coverage. And that's somewhere where Olave shines. And so I'm really excited to see him get more of those opportunities this year. Um, and one thing I would bring up with Alave's per route run data, and it's more, it's more relevant to Rashid Shahid, who gets brought up a lot up through yard per route run. Receivers with only two um, receivers on the field see a huge boost in their yard per route run rate. So formation is definitely affecting things. So with one receiver on the field last year, the average yard per route run rate was 2.01. With two receivers on the field, it was 1.9. And then when you get three or more receivers on the field, it drops to 1.4. So that's a pretty drastic drop-off. Um, and that's worth noting with Chris Olave and then also Jalen Waddle, who we're going to get into because he has really absurd per route data. Um, but yeah, of those three, I think Gary Wilson sees the biggest upgrade. Olave is the one who I'm buying. Yeah, and I, I would agree. With, I, I think you have it in the right order. Obviously, Wilson getting Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, that's huge for him. Um, Olave is a guy that I've talked a lot about like this off season. Um, like, so if you take it a little further than just like looking at the targets per route run, um, like another thing I really like to use is PFF receiving grade, especially for rookies. It's got a really strong track record. Uh, I put out some research on it last year. Um, and if you look at the comps that come up by using the targets per route run and the PFF receiving grade and the yards per route run, these are Alaves, uh, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Jamar Chase, Odell Beckham Jr. And look at Doug Baldwin sneaking in there. <laughs> like Doug Baldwin, so underrated. That was back in 2011 when he was a rookie. Uh, and he was undrafted. So, um, yeah, it's uh, like it's a who's who's list. Like, and, and Alave just, he, you know, any one of us can make a list right now of like our favorite data points that we know correlate highly to future fantasy points. And Alave just pops on it. Um, so, I, I like the upgrade with Carr you mentioned. I do. I think London might be the best out of the group. I think he might actually be the best player, but we still have the most 
questions continuing. Yeah, we could get regression, you know, towards the mean as far as, you know, remaining run heavy, but throwing the ball more. But we just don't know. Like Desmond Ritter, we have no clue. Like we just don't know if he can be a good quarterback or not. Taylor Heineke, like actually surprisingly, like he kind of helped, you know, Terry McLaurin get on a heater in the middle of the year last year. And then Jahan Dotson did it at the end of the year. And he actually over the, like over the last six games he was in, he supported multiple top 24 guys a couple of times, which surprised me. I didn't even remember that. Like Taylor Heineke. Wow. Like, look at you. So maybe that's a break glass in case of emergency. But like, if I just had to pick on pure talent across all three of these guys, um, Garrett Wilson was my number one graded guy coming out of the class. But after year one, like, man, it was so close between him and, and Drake London, like just pure talent. I, I think Drake London might have the highest ceiling as far as being the one that we could look up and be like, wow, like 32% target share. Like that just really happened. I think Drake London could do that. Okay, Jacob, we, we've talked about like the high end, the highest of the high end. I think we've covered most of the top 12 dynasty wide receivers. I, I think there's going to be someone in Houston. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but somebody in Houston this year who's really going to benefit from playing with CJ Stroud. I think he's going to be better as a passer than people are, are expecting right now. I think the fantasy community got a little bit down because, well, he's not going to run, so why should we care? But I, I think he had a chance to come in as a rookie quarterback and, and be really good for these wide receivers. You had a note here on Nico Collins as a buy. Sell me on it being him over anyone else. There's like six guys there, and I'm not really sure which one the best is going to be. Yeah, so Nico Collins' injury, he's another one to bring up where injuries plagued his season, but the Parat data was really, really exciting. He actually finished with more targets and receiving yardage in year two than year one, even though his route total was much lower. Um, that's because his his per route rate skyrocketed. So 17% target per route rate as a rookie up to 23%. In year two, and then if you look at his um, routes run without Brandon Cooks on the field, that goes up quite a bit as well. I think it's around twenty five percent, and so we're replacing Brandon Cooks. I think, I think Robert Woods is going to be on the field a lot. Honestly, he know, <laughs> he he knows the offense. He's the best blocking receiver. They are running offense, and like I think he's going to play a lot, and like he's not going to draw targets. And I think Nico, they've shown a willingness to let him be the guy. We saw him come back in week ten and record target totals of ten, seven, nine, and ten. And what's exciting about him is he's similar to Watson. He's similar to Alave, where he's drawing these targets deep down the field. So he accounted for 44% of Houston's air yards while on the field last year, which is a top five rate among players just looking within the lens of while they were on the field. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of really exciting data points around Nico Collins' second season. Again, small sample size. But is he somebody that you're into, Dwayne? Man, I love him. Uh, yeah. I, put out, I put out a thread Let's last go. week on Twitter about, like, just – so far in best ball season, these are like the absolute like sleepers you should be drafting all the time. And Nico was, I only listed four players. I did one player at each position and Nico was the wide receiver that I brought up. You can get him in around 11 or 12 right now over on underdog. Um, I love him for the same reasons that you just talked about in dynasty. So going back to 2011 um, last year. And, and so what I do is I take these data points that correlate most strongly to fantasy points. And then I basically look at, okay, what are those thresholds look like for a wide receiver one? And this is in PPR, right? So that would be wide receiver one to 12, then wide receiver two, 13 to 24. People kind of get the, get the gist of that. But he had a wide receiver three worthy target share and target rate. So that's targets per route run last year. He had a wide receiver one worthy air yard share last year in his second season. And then the other qualitative metrics, you know, yards per route run. He was a wide receiver three worthy player. And also quarterback will impact your yards per route run. Targets per route run, you earn it. Maybe it's accurate. Maybe it's not. But think about it. For yards, 
the more accurate the pass, the more likely you are to run after the catch. You don't have to stop and come back and catch something. Then the DB immediately tackles you. So your yards per route run actually get better. So like Marquis Valdez-Scantling to post like a whatever it was, a one six five, and people are like, oh man, look, he got, but that's with Patrick Mahomes. Like with Patrick Mahomes, like you should just have a two period, like just for being alive, like 1.65 is bad. Um, but when you're playing with the quarterback situation that you had in Houston, what Nico did, actually, if you adjust for his quarterback play, he looks more like a wide receiver, too. Also, a wide receiver three worthy PFF receiving grade. Here's the other cool thing. a lot. The immediate response I got is, well, yeah, that's just because Brandon Cooks was hurt. Number one, we don't care. I, I, people should learn their lesson, like with a Monroe. Remember that? Oh, man, TJ Hawkinson was out. DeAndre Swiss was out. And we're like, yeah, but like, kind of got to be good to get like a 30% target share. Um, well, with Brandon Cooks on the field last year, 24% target share. For Nico Collins, so he did it with Brandon Cooks on the field. He did it with Brandon Cooks off the field, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he can he can win down the field. So a lot of opportunity for him. So a guy that I think the tra- the trajectory on him is great will be one of my most drafted players this season. And I, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think Nico Collins actually has a bigger upgraded quarterback this year than Chris Olave. Hmm. I think that's possible. It was really bad in Houston. I will piggyback off of Dwayne's point about the team um, aff- affecting yard per route run data. So I measure wide receivers relative to their wide receiver teammates and um, the discrepancy that Nico Collins had in terms of his yard per round rate compared to his receiver yard per round rates um, was higher than somebody like Christian Kirk, who really didn't have any other clear wide receiver, like talented wide receiver teammates. No, you know, offenses, a Jones um, higher than Brandon Ayuk, higher than Deontay Johnson, higher than DJ Moore, who like is playing with no other wide receivers on his team, higher than Michael Pittman. It's a, almost as high as like Jamar Chase and Drake London and Drake London is another guy who didn't have quality wide receivers on his team. He was 31% better in terms of yard per run than his wide receiver teammates. Uh, Drake London was Nico Collins was 26% better. So like that, it is important to use that context of like, yeah, his yard per run rate wasn't very high, but like, man, it was bad in Houston last year. I, I am buying so much Nico Collins and so much Damian Pierce right now. And it has me very scared. <laughs> well, you know, like, nobody, I, you need CJ Stroud to be good. <laughs> nobody's ever gone wrong buying day three running backs after a good, a surprisingly good rookie year. That's that's a, that's the formula for success. We're, we've got a couple more buys to get to. We've got a handful of sells, including Jacob explaining himself on DJ Moore. We're going to take another quick break and then we'll run through the rest of this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, a couple of guys that did not do very much last year, Jacob. One of one who didn't even play last year. Calvin Ridley, Rashad Bateman, both on your buy list. 
We're going to have to uh, move a little bit quicker through these guys. So give me your uh, 30 second elevator pitch on that. And you tell me, Dwayne, which, uh, which one you're buying, which case you're buying more. Yeah. Can we throw it to Dwayne first? I'm really curious to hear what he thinks about Calvin Ridley. Okay. Yeah. So are we talking yourselves? Or you're talking the, the we're guys. We're still on buys. We're still on oh, buys. Okay. Ridley okay, and okay. Ridley and Bateman. Now Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm going with Ridley. Um, but I mean I like both players. Like the the thing with Ridley is we know the last time we saw him but before his six game, you know, season, the last full season we saw him in, like it looked like he was like maybe about to just kind of go like alpha for us, right? Um now it's been a while since he's been around the game. Like obviously he's older. But I'm still leaning into him. Now, having said all that, like, he's so pricey. Like, people are not giving me really any sort of discount. Maybe they are in Dynasty. But, like, right now, he's a round three pick on underdog. It's like, okay. Like, well, okay, here we go. I guess we're just going to be all in right away on Calvin Ridley. Right. There's definitely a little bit of concern for me. But, like, he's got the first-round pedigree. He got better each year. You know, had a little bit of a bad, a little bump at the end, you know, in his in his short period with Arthur Smith before like he, you know, left the team for mental health reasons and then ultimately gets suspended. So I'm, I'm still going to lean into him. I think that he's actually shown us Bateman man is a guy I loved out of college and mm-hmm. he did have a really good target per route run and yard per route run last season, but it was on such a small sample, right? It didn't even get to the numbers that Jacob and I have outlined so far as being okay. Like it can kind of stabilize at this point. So like both players, but definitely more in on Calvin Ridley than uh, Rashad Bateman. I think Ridley's price in Dynasty is more where I'm excited to buy because he's 28 years old and like people are just like, you're dead to me after you're 27 or older. And so like you can kind of get him where if he comes into the rates that we've seen in the past and a better offense here, like he could smash for three or four years and be like pretty cheap um, where he's going in Dynasty. So Bateman, I want to bring up because like you said, his, his per route data in college was really, really exciting. And Zay Flowers a lot of it was affected by his offense, but he didn't even draw targets at a high rate in college. So Zay Flowers' best single-season target per route run rate at the collegiate level is 26%. Rashad Bateman's worst was 27 In his last year, he was targeted on 40% of his routes, which is nuts. Um, and then, yeah, only 120 routes last year, but really exciting. 23% target per route rate, 2.4 yards per route run. So I, I we just had Matthew Harmon on um, Beyond the Box where he's a huge Bateman guy as well. I think everything we've seen is he's been really good. He's been able to win at multiple levels. And if he's healthy, he's going to be the clear wide receiver one in Baltimore, I think. He's um, my favorite Raven wide receiver to draft for sure. I, obviously, obviously, our number one wide receiver is listed as a tight end, Mark Andrews. But yeah. after that, like I'm with you. I'm on Bateman. Um, the Rashad Bateman, no. And actually, one guy I want to sneak into the buys is Puka Nakua. And re- relative to both these guys, Dwayne, I want to ask you, how much you value um, target per route runates at the collegiate level as we translate it to the NFL level? Have you found much stickiness there? Uh, there's some, but the signal's not as strong as like some of the traditional of the traditional things we have, like yards per team pass attempt. Hmm. You know, and some of it's tricky because we really only have this advanced data for college back to 2000, the 2014 season. Mm-hmm. or it might be 13. But then like once you 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 need to have four years of data, right? you know, for players that played until they were seniors. So you can't even necessarily use all that. You got to kind of go back to like 2017 before you can really start using this data. So I've done a lot of research on it, but the sample size is still is still small. So a lot of the historical stuff 
uh, like Dominator, yards per uh, you know team pass attempt, those sort of things are still carrying a stronger signal. I do weight them into my model though. So um, you know, I I have the rookie supermodel over at uh, Fantasy Life, and I did it for running back, wide receiver, tight end, and it does get a small weight uh, in the model. And mostly, I look at career for that versus and I will there's a small small percentage that goes to like their best season that they had and I do the same thing for yards per route run so there is something there but I'm really curious to see like what this looks like over like the next four or five years as we get yeah. more and more data you know into the pool so I bring him Nakua and I think he's a really good example for per route data again why it's useful he never was able to really put together a full season at the collegiate level due to injuries and other things um, but if you just look at his per route stuff it jumps off the page highest target per route run rate in the class, not even close. And then if you look at elite yard per route run rates of wide receivers who have been drafted recently, 3.1, CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, 3.3, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, 3.4, T. Higgins, 3.5, Puka Nakua, 3.6, Jalen Waddell. Like, that's a pretty crazy list to be on. And every other player is elite. Like, obviously, Puka Nakua is not like those guys, um, but he does have an opportunity in L.A. Someone stopped me from getting so much Puka Nakua. Yeah, you know what the nice thing is, like I don't and I don't know where you're drafting him. I was in a I'm in a rookie draft right now. He's free. Yeah, I I think he I think he did go in like the middle of the third round, um, just before Tank Dell and Michael Wilson, um, but in that range, which is which is definitely more expensive than he was in May. Um, the, the word's getting out a little bit. It used mm-hmm. to be that you get to round four, round five, and he might still be there. He was also um, really explosive. So 27% of his targets turned into a reception of 15-plus yards or more. That's something else that I have in the model. So he he checks quite a few boxes. The thing that really hurt him, um, you know, is just uh, the fact that he, you know, went later in the draft. So, like, mm-hmm. that's definitely pulling down his score, like in the supermodel. Um, his age also pulls him down a little bit. But to your point, Jacob, like, he was also battling through injuries. So sometimes guys that have that over the course of their career – it's really hard to like be like, oh, yeah, I'm coming out after year three, right? When you haven't really been able to put, you know, your full career out there in front of everybody. So definitely think there's some things to like about Nakua. I like him a lot more in Dynasty. Not as into spending like my last pick and best ball on him like I see a lot of people do. Like I, it could work, but I think it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really do fear if he's making an impact in the second half of the season, it's because things have just gone every bit as bad in Los Angeles as they did last year, and they, they don't have half their starters playing. But I, I do I do want to say, Dwayne, we've got five cells here, and I'm going to give you your choice. Um, Jake gave, gave us five names. You can pick the one that you agree the most with, or you can uh, you can pick the one that you agree the least with. But Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, T. Higgins... DK Metcalf and George Pickens were the five guys he had here on here as dynasty cells. And I'm sure he's got good justification. You're free to take him to task or just agree with him. Yeah. So Deontay Johnson's my one I disagree with the most Mm -hmm. just because we've seen Deontay really be a high end target earner period, like over, you know, the course of his career. Um, He's another guy that's had to struggle a little bit with bad quarterback play, including Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so yards per route run don't come in quite as strong, but like his targets per route run data is strong. Um, I mean, and like just his raw target data is really good. In fact, like he's honest when best ball mania opened, he was one of the most underpriced players. In my opinion, he was around seven pick. Now he's gotten up to mid round six. So dynasty. And I think people are overrating the fact that he didn't score, you know, the touchdowns last year. Um, I think it will be hard even with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, giving the number of targets he's going to get this year to not score 
five touchdowns, you know, could score six or seven just based on like what we typically see guys that get uh, that sort of target share. Um, DJ Moore, like also another player that's really good, but like you're just going to need a lot of things to go right for you. I mean, I talked about Justin Fields earlier. 16% 16% scramble rate, and he also handles 20% of the team's design rushing attempts. Like offenses that have that kind of stylistic quarterback, they just they don't throw the ball a lot. Now they could open up and decide to throw it more, but I think it's like how by how much. That's my biggest worry with DJ Moore is he could he could have a he could have a 30%. I was playing around with this the other day. I was like, ah, just give him a 30% target share, which isn't realistic. Like his targets per route run data has never supported something like that. But what if he did have that? And it's still like, oh wow, 150. 120 targets like with what we're projecting this team now again this is a one-year view right now that i'm talking about on dj Moore, but he's also starting to get up there a little bit by the time the if the bears ever were at a position to maybe open up their offense like how far away are we talking from night from right now so like i i i totally get that one i'm actually jacob i'm with you i'm hitting these all super fast but i'm with you on t higgins um i think he profiles more like a wide receiver three i give him wide receiver two credit because he does play with Jamar Chase, but then I'm also like, hey guys, like we don't we don't have to make the same excuse for Devonta Smith. He plays with AJ Brown and he's still got his. Like so right. there are players that come out and still demand high targets. It, it is tough though when you have high target competition. It is a factor, right, in your in your target share. But for me, T. Higgins is one year away from people drafting him and redraft more in the range that you take Terry McLaurin, right? And guys like that this year. Um Metcalf I don't know, man. Like, I, I still like him, but I don't know. Like, now you add JSN. That's my biggest question. Like, I really love JSN. He was number one in my rookie model. And, like, now you got to deal with him, too. So, yeah. And Pickens, I'm with you. I, I'm out on Pickens. Like, I, I, I thought his data um, it doesn't mean he can't be good. Like, there's always exceptions. Like, everybody wants to always use Devontae Adams. Oh, man, he was never good at any of those things for three years, and all of a sudden he exploded. Yes, there are exceptions to these rules, but realistically, when someone profiles like George Pickens, you're going to be an outlier to actually turn out to be really good. Yeah, the per down data for Pickens is disgusting. It's like anytime you have somebody that bad, they're not good. Um, it, it, in his defense, like they were just using him on nine routes. Like it was really <laughs> just a terrible design all around. And so, like, he, of course, he's not drawing targets. I brought up Deontay. Um, not that I think he's like a clear sell necessarily in Dynasty. In redraft, he's clearly undervalued, I think. Um, but I just wanted to point out like that his per route data did fall off pretty significantly. 28% target per route run rate each of the past two years down to 24% last year. And I think the clear reason is that he wasn't the safety blanket anymore and he was used down the field a lot more. His average route depth was 6.2 yards in each of the two previous seasons. That rose to 9.4. That's a massive jump um, year over year. Um, and so uh, do you think that in this type of role, he's going to be the elite target draw that we have seen in the past because he wasn't last year and he was really inefficient, especially on his downfield looks last year. Yeah, I still think that he's going to be because the the other thing that like just looking at this data, there's also just variance. Like there's just years where someone's yeah. at a twenty eight percent and they're at a twenty four percent. And and typically we wouldn't blink because twenty four percent is pretty good. But when you were twenty eight percent the year before like, yeah, it makes, it makes everyone suddenly look at it, you know, and, and, and I get it. Like, that's what we do. We analyze all these things. But I think there's a really good chance that it's just literally variance, you know, and also these efficiency stats can also have a lot of variance from year to year, just like, uh, you know, all the stuff with drops and things like that. So I, I try not to overreact, especially if someone's still young and they're in their prime, like we have with Deontay Johnson. I'd be more worried if he was 31 and this was happening. 
even though really the data shows that we don't necessarily get the signal we think when players get old, pretty much they just hit a cliff. Like Adam Harstad from Football Guys has done some really, really great work like in that area studying those things. Um, but what I would say is at his age and given the start we've seen to his career, I still assume, and even last year, like I graded him as a wide receiver one tar- uh, worthy target earner. Was he as good as he was the years before? No, but still very high end. So I tend to lean into the larger sample when the player is still at the age that we're talking about with Deontay Johnson. I would say I think like Deontay Johnson's fantasy managers would be very pleased with some variance in his efficiency. They, they would like to see <laughs> a year where those targets are turning into more yards and more fantasy points. Yeah, we haven't seen it yet, really. Um, DJ Moore. We'll just talk about DJ Moore Heath because I know that you're upset. Yeah, we'll about finish this. up with that. Yeah, um, I've been on it on the DJ Moore bandwagon the whole time, um, but I am a little concerned about what we saw last year. His target per round rate was down to twenty three point six percent from twenty six percent the year before. That could just be variance, um, but he really didn't have much to compete with. And I, the, the stat that I brought up earlier, where we're measuring wide receivers relative to the wide receiver teammates, the fact that he was so pedestrian in that area is a bit of a concern for me as well. Um, and so from a projection standpoint, it, he's going to have to be like, like Dwayne talked about, he's going to have to be one of the absolute best players in the NFL in terms of per route rates to be relevant for fantasy, to be a top 20. Wide well, I think the big thing, and we, we had um, like Dave just, just got back from Chicago and was there and, and spent some time talking to the bears. And he said, well, one of the, the real things that he came away with was that they they don't want to harness Justin Fields too much, but that scramble rate that Dwayne referenced, they would really, really, really like to cut that back. They'd really like to have an offensive line that he can trust a little bit more and for him to drop back and have a wide receiver maybe who gets open <laughs> and just mm-hmm. throw the ball and, and not run so often on design. Now, that's a tough thing for a quarterback like him. It's such a great athlete to do, but it's also something that we generally see younger quarterbacks, I think, at least the ones that end up being successful, find a way to do that. And so his that's one where the pass volume could go up quite a bit without the dropbacks going up that much if he could lower the, number, the sack rate and lower the scramble rate. Yeah, I think that is possible. I think he could really help fields, especially down the field. Um, I will bring up, we just had a regression or um regression episode with Jared Smola beyond the box score. And we talked about DJ Moore a lot in that. And one of the reasons was his off target rate on downfield throws, 15 plus air yards was 55%. That was the worst <laughs> in the NFL among qualified players. Um, Kyle Pitts didn't have quite enough targets to qualify, but his was 75%, by the way, 55% off target rate on downfield attempts. And then the other thing with DJ Moore regression is probably headed his way is his yards after the catch per reception was 2.9 yards last year. His career average was over five. His lowest single season rate was 4.5. So I, it was like cut in half randomly. I, I think one of the difficult things, and it's, it's Dwayne mentioned it, like when a guy's 29 or 30 and we do this, we get ourselves in trouble. There was the AJ Green's just not trying as hard because he wants out of Cincinnati and Allen Robinson's just not trying hard because he wants out of Chicago. <laughs> and it turned out both those guys just didn't have anything left. But it was a very discouraging first half of the season, especially yeah. for DJ Moore. There was a lot of um, outward expression of, of being unhappy with Baker Mayfield in that situation, which, again, could could turn into the same thing with Justin Fields this year. All I'm going to do is just continue to defend DJ Moore. That's fair. 
You got to. <laughs> Jacob, thank Apparently, you. Apparently, I need to come on the show and defend Deontay Johnson. So maybe I'll I'll come join you, Heath, you know, since he, Jacob, you know, hates our guys. He, I love Deontay Johnson. Okay. Don't, I don't want to keep <laughs> anti Deontay. I just wanted to bring it up and see what you thought about the role change. I'm messing with you, man. I'm messing no. with you. I just thought it was funny that we said he hasn't done it yet. I'm like, man, I got like 17.3 points per game two seasons ago. That yeah. was wide receiver eight. I feel pretty good about that. Heath has just <laughs> been like chastising Deontay for his yards per target forever. And like that. That's mainly what I meant. Like, he hasn't really done but, that. But it is, like, I understand why yards per route runs more valuable than yards per target. I also know that yards per target is um, something that has remained remarkably low for Deontay Johnson just year after year. It's bad quarterback play, sure. But it's just that one year, if he had 160 targets and he had one year where that was eight and a half or nine, that would be a pretty massive difference in terms of his production. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely ties to a dot. It has ties to yards after the catch. Yeah. Deontay, like DJ Moore, had a weird year last year. The 2.8 yards after the catch versus the years before five, 4.6, 5.3. But average depth of target went up. And typically those things operate inversely as our as average target depth of target goes up. Your yards after the catch go down. Catch rate goes down as average depth of target goes up, you know, but the trade-off is if you're catching a ball deeper down the field, it's, you're like, who cares? I already caught it four yards further down the field. Like that's an extra four yards on my, uh, you know, for my reception anyway. So it kind of all, you know, some of this stuff all ends up leveling out, you know, in the end um, that we're micro analyzing, but definitely some ways like for, for Deontay to still end up as a top 12 wide receiver this year. Well, Jacob and Dwayne, both of you, thank you so much for the information. This was a fantastic conversation. Everybody go check out what Jacob's got going on at Sportsline. Go check out what Dwayne's got going on at Fantasy Life. Check out Dwayne on Twitter, at Dwayne McFarland. Appreciate both you guys. Appreciate everybody for listening. Go enjoy the fireworks, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. 